Hi everyone, we're Brianna and Suzanne, two teacher moms who are passionate about helping you create a home environment where your family truly thrives. We're here to help you with anything from setting up your family goals and the perfect physical space in your home, to managing school expectations and parent-teacher conferences and everything in between. Whatever the unique needs of your family, we're here to help you get set up for success. Thank you for joining us today as we explore another topic to help you thrive in your hive. Before we get started today, did you know that both of us are trained and experienced coaches ready to work alongside you as you unlock your full potential? At Thrive in the Hive, our focus is on empowering moms and dads just like you. By exploring the core drivers in your everyday decisions, we'll work together to raise your awareness and harness your power to consciously choose how you show up for your parenthood. Imagine yourself with complete confidence and clarity in who you are. Imagine yourself equipped to seize life by the horns, creating limitless opportunities and recognizing limitless potential for you and your family. Message us to set up a free discovery call. Happy thriving! Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Thrive in the Hive. Thanks for joining us today. Hey everybody, today our topic is going to be on social media and this topic was specifically requested by friends in person and by some of our listeners And one of the questions that was actually typed in was, how do we handle social media with our young kids, especially when they are not technically old enough to have these accounts and when other kids are mean? And so I had a similar question asked to me actually twice in the same day by people in person as well. And I feel like the bottom line is that social media is here to stay. And so we have to teach our kids how to work with it and how to use it appropriately. For sure. This is something that, again, if you listen to last week's episode, it was on devices. So this is kind of the same category, so to speak. But this is uncharted territory for us as parents. We cannot default back to how we were raised in this social media world because social media wasn't around when we were younger. So we really have to be intentional about how we're parenting regarding social media, what our policies are going to be, what our expectations are going to be, thinking about what the repercussions are, and making sure that our kids understand social media. I can't even say that I fully understand social media as an adult. So the expectation that a child would understand it or that a middle schooler would understand it or a high schooler, it's too vast. But making sure that they understand those critical pieces of it to understand what it is they're doing when they're posting something for the entire world to see or what it is they're doing when they're posting their location for the entire world to see and understanding what the repercussions of that can be. It's really important and it can be a safety issue for sure. Like more than just someone jeopardizing their reputation or more than someone just being mean or unkind on social media, it can literally be life or death using social media correctly and in a safe way. It's not going away. My Eli and Wyatt are six and seven, and they talk about Facebook and Instagram. Just because they hear me talking about it, or they hear my husband talking about it, or they hear their teachers or their friends talking about it, I assure you they don't have it. They do not have Facebook or any kind of social media account. For one, they're too young, and number two, I just wouldn't let them even if the age limit were lower, but it's there. They're hearing about it. They're curious about it. It's like part of their everyday conversations with friends. So we've got to learn how to address it as parents so that it's not the elephant in the room. It's there. Let's use it appropriately. Let's teach them how to use it appropriately when it's time, when we decide it's time for them to use it. Acting like it's not there, that's not going to serve us. It's not going to serve them. 
Right. And I think that I don't want anybody to get the impression that we're anti-social media or anything because there are so many really positive things that come out of social media. There's so much positive energy and joy and fundraising. And I don't know, there's a lot of good and a lot of funny things. My kids are older, so they share a lot of really funny things that they see on certain social media platforms and they'll send me a link and I mean we laugh like we laugh so hard at some of the funny things so there's a lot of good out there with social media but when you have kids the whole idea with social media is just we have to teach them how to use it appropriately that's the main thing and that's what the whole point of our podcast today is we don't want to bash social media but we want our kids to be really responsible and and feel good about what's happening on social media and in relation with their lives. To go back to that question, how do you deal with it? Number one, if you go onto any social media platform, they have age restrictions. It's not open to any kid under the sun. You have to be a certain age. And some of them are minimum age of 13. Some of them I've seen a minimum age of 15. And If the people who created the social media platform have said, you need to be at least this age to have an account with us, I think that first and foremost, parents have to get on board with that. And that comes down to monitoring what they're doing, having the blockers on their devices, having the ability to see what they're doing. All of that has to be on their computers, on their phones, on their tablets, so that you can see. Now, I know that kids are getting access to all of these applications, all of these platforms at earlier ages. And I think the other thing that you have to try to do maybe is to find a group of friends that have the same values as you as parents. And so you can band together and say, if you have to be 13 to have this account, I'm not letting you have it. And neither are these parents and these parents and these parents and these parents. And you know, you can list hopefully 10 or 12 parents that are on board with you so that your kid can't pull the, I'm the only one card that they like to pull with parents all the time. I'm the only one that doesn't have this. I'm the only one that can't do this because then as a parent, you can say, yeah, but Neither can this kid and neither, you know, you can start listing all of the friends and that way you can say, look, we're going to stick together on this because we know we want to raise our kids and keep them safe and at, and under the age that the platform says they're not mature enough for it. And I would argue that I'm not sure that 13 is mature enough for some of these sites either, but I think if they're saying 13, they should at least be 13. And it's so hard to do that if you're the only parent, but if you can talk to some of the parents of your kids' friends and get together on it, then you can stick together and hold out and be firm together. And that makes such a difference. Like I was so grateful raising my kids that I had a set of friends for both my daughter and my son that we had shared values. And we would all like text each other or call each other and say, hey, you know, our kids asking to do this or asking for this, whatever. What do y'all think? And it was so nice because they were a sounding board too. That you could go, am I just being unreasonably strict with my kid? Or are other people on the same wavelength with me? And oftentimes they would be like, I don't want my kid to do that either. And, you know, but the kids are, they're like so clever. It's the same thing as like, I'm going to ask mom. And if she says, ask dad, then I'm going to go to dad and say, mom says yes, if you say yes. And the next thing they know, the parents be like, wait, what? I never said yes. But kids do that about their friends too. Like, well, my friend has this. Can I have it? 
And you don't know. Those parents might have said, no way, you're not having that, but your kids are just telling you this so they can get what they want. And so it's just such a nice thing if you have friends that have the same values as you and you can stick together on it. And I think that's the first thing that you can do is just check those age restrictions and try to have your kid not sign up for these things until they're that age. That gives you time to start working on it and teaching them the appropriate ways to handle these platforms. And once you decide that your child is old enough to be on these platforms, make sure that you're monitoring them. We talked a lot about this in our last episode on devices, but have those parental safeguards in place, be able to monitor what they're doing, have an open policy where you check their messages regularly. You get on the platform that they're on and you're checking their account regularly like as them, logged in as them. So you see what they see. You see the messages they're sending. You see what they're putting out there. Have specific guidelines like you will not share your location publicly on this platform. There are certain platforms that literally, if they have a certain setting on, it shows everyone where they are on a map all the time. And that is terrifying. <laughs> you don't yeah. want your... 13-year-old child, their location be shared with everyone all the time. So think about those things and lay those guidelines and let them know, have that dialogue. Okay, I've decided that you're ready for this, but here are the rules. Mm -hmm. And have clear guidelines for if you do not follow the rules, if you break the rules, this will happen. There will be no negotiation if I find out that you have violated these rules. If you, I found out that you have broken my trust, you will not be on this platform anymore. And just having very, very clear expectations for them, continuing to monitor using those apps that as a parent that you can have on your phone to monitor what your kids are doing and looking at their platforms. Because like Suzanne said, there are so many good things that come out of social media, but there are also the other side of things. As teachers, we see the negative side of things a lot with social media because bullying happens on social media. Mm -hmm. Kids think, oh, for some reason, they're not mature enough yet. And some adults fall into this category too as well, unfortunately, but they're not saying this ugly thing to the person's face. So it somehow seems better to them. And when they're at that stage and they are saying ugly things or they are planning some event, but they're leaving one kid out intentionally, it's hurtful and it's hard for a, a kid in middle school or high school to understand why are they being left out when their friends are like publicly planning this function or maybe all of their friends have checked in at some location and they're clearly together, but this kid is sitting at home with their family and wasn't invited to that function. Social media opens up all of these situations, which can become issues very easily. And it, it's hurtful and it's hard for kids to navigate and understand why, like, why is this happening? And what did I do? Then they start questioning. It's like this whole dark alley that this leads down or that it can lead down if we're not proactive in teaching them what's appropriate, what's not appropriate, and understanding how to deal with hurtful things that may be said on social media or times when they are hurt because they are left out of something on social media. Those things are going to happen, whether it's intentional or it's not. But holding your child's hand, so to speak, as they're walking through this phase of life and navigating all of the feelings and all of the emotions and all of the situations that arise because of social media and because that's the age that we're living in, helping them to understand and navigate that is just really important for them. It's almost like think about when your parents decided that it was time that you were old enough to go to a high school football game by yourself or go to the movie theater by yourself, not by yourself, but like with your friends. In other words, without your parents with you there. 
as parents, we almost have like double that, right? Because our kids are still going to want to go do physical things like go to the football game and go to the movie theater or whatever. But now we have to also figure out this world of letting them loose on social media. And we've got to figure out where is that balance? What is safe? Let me model this for you. Let me teach this to you. It's a lot of responsibility. So kudos to all you parents who have already navigated this role. It is hard. And with my kids, we were very strict about keeping your information private there are some times when like the map in some of these applications, some of these um, platforms are really cool. Like if you're traveling, it's sometimes really neat. There Again, there's positive sides of it, but I would let my kids turn on the map function on some of these if we were traveling because you suddenly, it pops up and you could be in, in London and the kid in your biology class is two streets away. It's so bizarre to see that and go, oh my gosh. And then you text each other and it's like, oh my gosh, we came all the way to London to bump into somebody that lives 30 minutes away from us. You know, I mean, it's like really fun and and a cool thing, but then you have to go back to private mode, right? And the kids were with us so we could keep them safe. They weren't by themselves at the mall showing everybody where they were on the map. So you have to teach them all these safety protocols and have some pretty strong rules about all of those things. But then, like I said on the past episode, you have to start to loosen up. And as they get towards like junior, senior year, you have to let them have a little bit more freedom and responsibility and learn to navigate these on their own if they're mature enough. Because if you're going to let them go off to college in a year or two, you have to know that you can trust them and that they can use all these social media platforms carefully. The other thing that I've witnessed as my kids have gone through all of this is just the hurt. There's a lot of hurt. And I see this also as a middle school teacher. Like it makes me want to cry and the heartbreak that I see with some of these kids that have their feelings hurt by social media. Like you said earlier, it's just the mean things that people will say on social media that they would never say to somebody's face. Sometimes the kids are sitting there watching their friends all get together without them in real time. And when I was a kid, you didn't find out that you were left out until you got to school on Monday. Maybe all the girls had a slumber party on Saturday night and you didn't get invited, but you had no idea about it until you walked into school and someone spilled the beans and said, oh, it was so fun Saturday night. And you're like, wait, what happened? And that was still very painful for all of us who lived through things like that. But I would say that for our kids right now, it might be even more painful to be watching it happen real time. I always taught my kids the golden rule, like treat others the way you want to be treated. A lot of kids are in different friend groups. And sometimes my kids especially have different friend groups. Like they went to a different high school than most of their friends did. And so they have the old friend group, they have the new friend group, and they have some kids that kind of merged both groups. Then they've got like the sports friends groups and the music friend groups. And sometimes you have friends that overlap some of the groups and sometimes you don't. So you might end up being in a location where there's a weird combination of friends, but then some of the other friends might not be there, but might have their feelings hurt. And I'm always like, look, don't post anything. Nobody needs to see a picture of all of you together. Don't do that if you know you got invited, but not everybody got invited. Just try to stay out of it because sometimes you get invited to things, especially if they're at somebody's house. And maybe the mom says, you can invite five people. Well, that's really difficult because maybe you have 10 friends and five of them are going to feel left out. Well, 
just don't post. Why do you have to post? Just don't do it. Just think about how you'd feel if you were at home. And it does happen, right? So then like the next weekend, it's the other five that get together and these five are stuck at home. So I think the other side of it as parents is to know that this is going to happen to our kids and talk to them about it before it happens and say things like, how are you going to feel when you're looking at social media and you see that you got left out? What's that going to look like? What's that going to feel like? What are you going to do about it? And if you have these conversations, you can kind of mentally prepare them for when it happens because you should tell them like it's going to happen. Let them be prepared for it for a little bit so it doesn't just suck the wind out of their sails when it happens to them the first time. And then I think be prepared as parents. There might be a time when dad and I were going to go to the movies and the kids were going to go have fun with their friends. And then you walk in and someone's crying because something happened on social media. Be prepared to cancel your plans to have family time and build the the sad one in the family back up again and let them know this is not your whole life. You have so much more. You have your family. You have other friends and that kind of thing. And I, I always think about this song make, brings tears to my eyes, but I think about that Taylor Swift song and my kids and I laugh about it, especially my daughter and I. She has this song about this exact situation where something means happens to her and her mom just drops everything and takes her on this whole day of window shopping. They drive out of town. They go to a different town where nobody knows them and they have an amazing day together. And so I give kudos to Taylor Swift's mom for for dropping everything and taking care of her daughter when she needed that. And I think as parents, we have to be prepared that we may have to do that for our kids. Sometimes we just may have to drop everything and bring them, lift them back up again and let them find their joy again when these bad things happen to them. Because it's going to happen to everybody. If it can happen to Taylor Swift, it can happen to anybody. Right. It even happens to adults sometimes. And it's not always intentional. Sometimes it's just an accident that you were left out of the text. And then all of a sudden, the mom group that you go to dinner with every other Thursday night is at your go-to restaurant, but you're not there and you knew nothing about it. Think about how it makes you feel as an adult. Mm -hmm. And as an adult, you have that ability there to process that a little bit better and maybe like, seek to understand, ask, hey guys, what's going on? What happened? Maybe they're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you got left out of this text, whatever. Maybe it's something bigger. That's like another story for another day. But think about those feelings that all of that conjures up and then apply them to your 13-year-old or your 14-year-old mm -hmm. or heaven forbid your 11-year-old who might be on social media disguised as a 13-year-old because that definitely happens and yes. they're just not ready to deal with that. And so they need you to talk them through it. They need you to be there to support them. They need you to say no sometimes. They need you to take them off of it. I have had numerous conversations with parents where they're like, oh, I can't take them off of social media. It would devastate them. Really? Yes, you can. Yes, you, can. you absolutely can. You absolutely can. And guess what will be more devastating to them? If they do something that is completely stupid because their 13-year-old brain couldn't handle saying no to that, or if they do something that they, they can't take it back offline, right? They put something online or they um, mm -hmm. see something that devastates them, like that is going to really devastate them. Taking them off of social media for a little while until they're better able to handle it, that is, that's parenting. It is. You cannot be afraid to say no to your kids because you're the adult and you know better. And sometimes they might be mad at you. They might be mad at you for a week or two and not speak to you, but you just have to stick to, I know what's right for you. I know what's best for you. I know what's healthy for you. And I'm going to take care of you because I'm your parent and you have to trust me on this one. 
Exactly. Same thing with, I know we were talking earlier about it helps if you have that group of parents who you're parenting with, like your kids, friends, parents, it helps if y'all are aligned. But even Mm -hmm. if you're not, if you know something's not right for your kid, stand up and say no. My mom always used to say, if all your friends dye their hair purple, does that mean that you're going to dye your hair purple? (laughs) Like, we always say that still, like, no, it doesn't, mom. But same thing. Even if your kids, friends, parents are letting them do something, if you know it's not right for your kid, say no. Say no and stand firm and be prepared to deal with the repercussions of saying no, like them being mad at you. I'm pretty sure all of us have had worse things happen than a 13-year-old be mm-hmm. mad at us. You can deal with it. And You're having be fine. And exactly. And having a 19-year-old and a 16-year-old, yes, they get mad, but I promise you they get over it. They don't stay mad forever. The other side of it is, I mentioned this briefly a little while ago, but being a middle school teacher, the amount of time that gets lost for learning in a particular day if something has happened on social media is is horrible when you think about the decisions you can make as a parent that can truly affect your child's education by letting them be on social media and if something hurtful happens the amount of time like I don't know that parents really understand the amount of time that will be sucked out of a school day by numerous people not just the teacher but potentially the counselor and the administration to try to get to the bottom of what really happened. There's a lot of class time that can be lost when kids are pulled out and asked about it, or just the fact that there's somebody sitting in the class, especially if somebody's not saying anything about it, who could be sitting in the classroom devastated and hurt and not hearing a word that the teachers say all day long because they're just processing this in their brain and they're so upset about it. That breaks my heart because that's an entire day loss of learning for a student or multiple students. So keep that in mind. If you feel like, oh, I'm afraid to say no to my kid, if you don't have a good reason, that's reason enough. I don't want you to be so hurt or even you be the one to hurt somebody so much that it is detrimental to their education or it takes away teaching time from the teacher or learning time from any of the students in your class. And that can also be applied to not being hurt. But just being distracted, how distracting is social media for Mm -hmm. us as adults? Yeah. It's hard to put it away. And it's a great tool and we use it. I mean, Suzanne and I use it a ton just (laughs) to talk to you guys and communicate with you guys, but it it can definitely be distracting. So for your child who may already be easily distractible, that may be a whole nother reason to think about what are those guidelines surrounding social media for my kids that I'm going to put in place and I'm going to stick to. So our takeaway today is that social media is here to stay. So you have to help your kids by being good examples and by modeling how to use social media responsibly. And your action item is to have a conversation with your kids about how to be nice on social media, what those expectations are. Teach them about the golden rule. Prepare them that sometimes people might be mean. They might say something that they shouldn't or that's inappropriate and that they can come and talk to you about these things and have that open dialogue with you because you're there to support them and help them and love them through whatever it is that's happening on social media or just in life in general. So now we're on to the question session. So remember last week we started this new section of our podcast where we're going to answer questions from uh, people who ask us in person or we love it when we're seeing all these questions pop up on Um, our website. So go to our website. There's lots of places for you to submit your questions. And this one today comes from Texas. So nearby, my kids are picky eaters and getting them to try new foods is so hard. Any ideas for getting them to eat more variety so that their diets are more balanced? 
my goodness, I have lots of ideas on this one. So my kids went through a period of time when they were super picky eaters as well. And we did a combination of things that really worked. And for a long time now, my kids have been super good eaters and not afraid to try new things. So we started off with something called the three bite rule. And the three bite rule, I did not make this up. I did find this somewhere and I did modify it. So the three bite rule was that whatever's on their plate, they have to have three bites of it. But I didn't use just like a little spoon. I used one of those big, the fatter spoons, like the tablespoon. Or if it was a teaspoon, it was heaped, okay? So it was a big bite. So they had to eat three bites, but it was good because they knew there was a limit. So there might have been six bites of each thing on their plate. They had to eat three bites, but they had to be good bites. And the whole premise behind it is the first bite is kind of a shock to the system if it's new. The second bite, they really taste the flavor. By the third bite, they are truly determining whether they really like it or not. So they had to have three bites and it was a win-win because I knew they were getting the balance from everything that they needed from the plate and they knew there was an end to it. They didn't have to eat everything on the plate. Now we coupled that with introducing new recipes during the week. So I would do three to four recipes and I would tell them like, we're gonna have three to four meals that I know you love, your favorites, all that kind of stuff. But the other three to four meals are gonna be things that dad and I love that we haven't been eating because you've been picky. So we're gonna start implementing these into our diet and then you do the three bite rule and that worked amazingly. So that way we were introducing new things to them and they liked it. The reality is there are very few things that they have grown up now saying like, I really don't care for that. They'll eat pretty much everything and they're adventurous now. So we can travel, we can go to different restaurants, we can go places and they're not afraid to try things. In fact, I think they're even more adventurous with eating and trying new things than I I am at this point. So it works and it works fast. We saw results right away. I love that three bite rule idea. I might borrow that. For me, I would say my kids know that they have to eat whatever I cook and I try to do a variety of things and sometimes they hem and haw about it. Sometimes we're like, oh, we're having that for dinner. And I, I tell them, that's rude. I'm cooking a nice meal for you. Say, thanks, mommy. And then they do their little eye roll, but <laughs> I'm trying to model that for them. But basically, I am not one and I know some people do not agree with this philosophy, but I cook what I cook and you eat it or you don't eat it. And so I agree with that philosophy. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it just, it's so much easier. And I have a friend who's a dietitian. One of my close friends from high school is a dietitian. And I asked her one time when my oldest was little bitty and he was in a little bit of a phase because all kids go through this phases. Amelia is going through that right now where like she eats everything under the sun for like two weeks. And then Mm -hmm. it seems like two weeks go by where she barely eats anything. And I think all three of my kids have gone through that. I think that's normal though. Right. Yeah. Um, And so I remember talking to my friend who's a dietitian one time and I was like, I'm worried. Do I need to start giving them foods that they like, you know, intentionally because they're not eating? And she was like, Brianna, they are going to eat when they're hungry. And if they're hungry enough, they're going to eat whatever's on their plate. It doesn't matter what it is. It can be the food that they proclaim is the worst food in the world. If they're hungry, they're going to eat it. And Mm -hmm. so I really tried to take that to heart. And that's what we do. I fix healthy food, you know, most of the time. And I put an adequate amount on their plate. And my kids are very incentivized by dessert, especially Wyatt, my middle one, absolutely loves dessert. So he will pretty much clean his plate the majority of the time because I put the appropriate amount of food on there for them to eat. And I tell them, eat it. And if you eat it, you can have a dessert. Now, 
the other side of that argument is um, like the clean plate club. As an adult, you might feel like you have to be part of the clean plate club and clean your plate, which is another matter because I struggle with that. I'm like, let me just finish everything else on my plate, even if I'm not hungry. But when they're little and they're picky eaters, I certainly think that it's okay to use that whole happy plate mentality and teach them in moderation, of course, and you're not giving them heaping servings that are too much for them. But put the food in front of them, make sure it's healthy. And then if they eat it, awesome, praise them, give them rewards. And if they don't eat it, don't provide them with something else that they want. Don't break out the Easy Mac. That is going to be enabling them to mm-hmm. be picky eaters for the rest of their lives. And that's not good for them or for you. All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. And we will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Thank you for being a part of our show today. If you enjoyed what you heard and would like to learn more about setting yourself up to thrive in your hive, be sure to hit the subscribe button. Also, check out our website at thriveinthehive.life. We can also be found on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We can't wait to talk with you again soon. Hi, listeners. Just a quick note that the views expressed in this podcast are solely the personal views of Brianna and Suzanne. They are not the viewpoints of any of the institutions that we may be affiliated with.